Welcome back. This is Sam. And this is Corrine, and we are two Ankh Shocks. Today's episode, we're going to be focusing on what you need to know regarding early stage colon cancer. We're going to go over all the important details on the diagnosis, presentation, diagnostic workup, staging, treatment, and surveillance. This is an updated episode for colon cancer, and next week we'll have an updated episode on a metastatic colon cancer since oncology is ever-changing, so things are coming down the pipeline every year. We're also going to be updating our prostate cancer, lung cancer, and breast cancer episodes this year right before boards, so you guys are ready to walk into test day with the most updated information, as these are all very high-yield topics for boards. Absolutely. Our first colon cancer episodes were released in April 2022, so there's a couple updates that Sam will highlight today. So to start us off, how do we screen for colon cancer? So as of 2018, we have lowered the age to start screening for colon cancer, and it is now 45 without symptoms. Screening can include stool-based testing, colonoscopy, as well as CT colonography or flex sigmoidoscopy. And the primary treatment or reason we do colon cancer screening is to reduce the risk of dying from colorectal cancer. So can we remove polyps before they become cancerous? So this is not only prevention, but this is also treatment to prevent cancer. Yes. And so what are risk factors for colon cancer? The majority of colon cancers are sporadic in nature, but there are some cases that are linked to familial conditions, and this is defined as two or more first-degree relatives affected by colorectal cancer, and that's about 20% of the cases that we see. There's even less common colon cancer cases that are related to hereditary syndromes, such as Lynch syndrome, and so Lynch syndrome we see in about 2 to 5% of cases, and this is deficiencies in mismatch repair, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. There's also FA which is less than 1% of colorectal cancer cases, and that's due to a mutation in the APC gene as well as others. But I think Lynch and FAP are the most testable. And so who should be tested for Lynch syndrome? Every single colorectal cancer patient should be tested for Lynch or hereditary non-polyposis colon cancer. And so this is one of the very few times that we say every patient or always test. So this should be burned in your head, bold, underlined, and highlighted for test day. This is an NCCN guideline to test every single patient through IHC, so that looks at mismatch repair deficiency, or MSI testing. And so the Lynch genes are germline mutations in at least one of the five genes, and they are MSH6, MSH2, PMS1, MLH1, and PMS2. And another pearl is that there is only, if there's only loss in MLH1 and also PMS2, you need to check the BRAF V600E status. If that's positive, this is actually a sporadic mismatch repair deficiency, not a familial mismatch repair deficiency. If you do find a patient affected by Lynch syndrome, they are at risk of colon cancer, obviously, but also endometrial and ovarian cancer are the two most common after colon, as well as small intestine and gastric cancer. So we need to be on the lookout for other malignancies if you do find this hereditary syndrome. Yes. And in the GU world, there's also a risk of upper tract urothelial carcinoma. So remember that. And there's a good algorithm on up to date in terms of differentiating sporadic versus familial mismatch repairs. So you can look at that as well. And so how do we stage for colon cancer? 
Like almost all solid tumors, we stage colon cancer based on the TNM staging system. And T in colon cancer, as well as rectal cancer and other GI cancers, is actually the depth of invasion of the tumor, not the size of the tumor itself. And so stage one colon cancer is a T1 or a T2, which is invading into the submucosa or the muscularis propria. No lymph nodes, no metastatic disease. Stage two is T3, T4. This is invading through the muscularis propria into the visceral peritoneum and that no lymph nodes are involved, no metastatic disease. Stage three is when lymph nodes become involved, which we've talked about before. In general, a stage three is lymph node involvement. So this is NET, N1, which is one to three lymph nodes, or N2, which is four plus lymph nodes involved, no metastatic disease. A few pearls to talk about staging is you need a minimum of 12 lymph nodes examined to have a reliable end stage. So if you get a specimen, there's only six or eight lymph nodes involved, call your pathologist, ask them to see if they can find a few more to get to 12. 12 is the magical number. A second pearl for staging is that to note some stage twos actually do worse than some stage threes. This is driven by the T stage of being a T4. So the depth of invasion is actually a higher risk than some lymph node involvement. Absolutely. Remember that minimum of 12 lymph nodes that are necessary. And so what are high-risk features in stage 2 colon cancers? So you need to burn these into memory. So high-risk features excludes MSI high tumors, first and foremost. Once we've excluded that, these are T4 tumors, so again, the deepest depth of invasion, having less than 12 lymph nodes examined, why it's so important to circle back and try to get some more, having obstruction or perforation, having lymphovascular invasion, having perineural invasion, or having poorly differentiated or undifferentiated histology. And so are there any new treatments for neoadjuvant systemic therapy in local colon cancer. So this is a new topic. Um, in the past year, this is one of our updates. And so, yes, there is now an indication to use neoadjuvant or before surgery immunotherapy in locally advanced resectable MSI high colon cancer. This is based on the NICHE 2 trial, which was published in the Annals of Oncology in 2022. This study looked at patients who were non-metastatic, so a few stage 1, 2s, but mostly stage 3, DNA mismatch repair deficient colon cancers. They were treated with one dose of combination ipilimumab and two doses of nivolumab. Then they underwent surgery within six weeks. They looked at 112 patients who were treated, and the median time from the first dose to surgery was about five weeks. So everyone really hit that mark of being surgically resected within six weeks. The pathologic response was observed in 99% of patients, and so majority of them actually had major um, partial responses, some had partial responses, and some actually had complete responses. And so this is listed in the NCCN guidelines as a consideration and the preferred consideration for non-metastatic MSI-high DNA mismatch repair deficient colon cancer. Yes. Yeah, so the same way that we have new adjuvant immunotherapy in rectal cancer, now there's this approval in colon cancer as well based on the NICHE 2 trial. And so following surgery, what chemotherapy drugs do we use in the adjuvant setting? 
Now, one reason why we do adjuvant um, chemotherapy is because the risk of recurrence is highest in the first to third year from diagnosis and surgery. So our hopes is that adjuvant chemotherapy can reduce that risk of recurrence. There is only two chemotherapy drugs that are approved in the adjuvant setting. Bold, underlined, highlight this because you don't want to get tricked. They are 5-FU, which is the IV pump drug, or its pill counterpart, capecitabine, and oxaliplatin. Again, this is very high yield because on test day or your heme IT or your oncology ITEs, they'll try to trick you to look into targeted therapies or arinotecan, the wrong answers. 5-FU, capecitabine, or oxaliplatin. They, we did look into the... Um, is capecitabine equivocal to 5-FU? And based on the exact trial, they are non-inferior, and there's actually some superiority of capecitabine over 5-FU. And so we also looked at comparing Kpox versus bolus 5-FU in stage 3 colon cancers, and the disease-free survival was higher with Kpox than bolus 5-FU. So capecitabine may be a little bit better than 5-FU, but both are fair game. Yes, good to know that we have those options. And obviously, capecitabine is an oral treatment. So depending on the situation or where the patient lives, that may be easier for the patient to get access to. And so who do we give adjuvant chemotherapy to? So we give adjuvant chemotherapy to most stage three tumors and some stage two. So when do we treat stage two cancers with chemo? This is the most debated question in colon cancer treatment. Stage two, when do we use chemo? When do we don't? There was a trial in 2007 that showed overall survival being similar between using 5-FU after surgery and observation alone. We do think that maybe high-risk features, you can consider adjuvant chemotherapy because they're higher risk of that recurrence. There is a new role of coming down the pipeline of utilizing circulating tumor DNA, which is being looked at in stage 2 colon cancers on the COBRA trial, as well as high-risk stage 2 colon cancers on the Circulate US trial. But as of today, there's currently insufficient evidence to recommend routine circulating tumor DNA analysis outside of a clinical trial. Definitely, ctDNA is evolving in many cancer types. And so what stage 2s do we not give adjuvant chemotherapy to? This is testable. So stage twos that we do not give chemotherapy to are those that are mismatch repair deficient because those cells are resistant to 5-FU. And we actually have a trial from 2010 of stage two patients who were treated with 5-FU and they had mismatch repair deficiency and they did worse in regards to five-year overall survival. So not only is it not recommended, but you're also hurting the patient's overall survival potential if you give them chemotherapy and they're mismatch repair deficient. And has anyone compared 5-FU alone to full FOX in high-risk stage 2 and stage 3? Yes, we have. So chemotherapy regimens for high-risk stage 2 can include 5-FU or capecitabine alone. And listen to the NCCN guidelines. Technically, they list Kpox or full FOX. But it's important to note that the survival benefit has not been demonstrated with the addition of oxaliplatin to 5-FU in stage 2 colon cancers based on a JCO trial from 2012. A mosaic trial, which is our historic trial in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2004, looked at full FOX versus bolus 5-FU in high-risk stage two and stage three colon cancer patients. What we saw is improved disease-free survival with oxaliplatin with an absolute reduction of 7.5% in the stage three group. So it is fair game for stage three. Also, there was a lower risk, a 7.2% risk reduction in high risk stage two, but the low risk stage two did not see any benefit. 
Overall, survival had no change in the stage two with the addition of oxaliplatin, but the addition of oxaliplatin did benefit stage threes. The risk of oxaliplatin toxicity is relevant, and so that's neuropathy. What we also saw in the Mosaic trial is you can stop oxaliplatin in the elderly patients, so older than the age of 70, to reduce this toxicity. So again, fair game, 5-FU capecitabine for stage two, even low risk. And high-risk stage two for stage three, you do see benefit with the addition of oxaliplatin, but not in elderly patients over the age of 70. And so we've been talking about six months of chemotherapy in the adjuvant setting. Has anyone ever looked at less than six months of chemotherapy? Yes, we have. And so this is the IDEA trial published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2018. They looked at KPOX, Fulfox for three months versus six months. Over 12,000 stage three colon cancer patients were looked at, and this was a non-inferiority trial. So the goal was to try to reduce the toxicity, but keep the benefit of chemotherapy. We also wanted to try to reduce that neuropathy, again, from the oxaliplatin. And so three months versus six months, which we did see reduction of the neuropathy. The big conclusions were that the disease-free survival of three versus six months was 74% versus 75%. Not proven, um, so they really didn't meet the non-inferiority margin. What we looked at, it though, is that KPOX for three months versus six months did have clear non-inferiority between the two durations. So three months of KPOX appeared similar to six months of KPOX in five-year overall survival, and it was less toxic, less oxaliplatin, less toxicity. These results now support the use of three months of adjuvant KPOX over six months in the vast majority of patients with stage three colon cancer. Looking at the second arm, which was full FOX, three months versus six months, there was clear inferiority of the three-month use. So you do not utilize three months of full FOX. If you go with full FOX, you got to go with six months. But KPOX, you can maybe get away with three months in certain patients. And so what's the bottom line for the IDEA trial? So this is testable. I know we had this question on our test day. And so low risk, meaning T1 through 3, N1, you can utilize KPOX for three months. This is non-inferior to six months in disease-free survival. If you use full FOX, you have to keep six months regardless of low risk versus high risk. In high-risk patients, so those are the T4, so that increased depth of invasion, or N2, so more lymph nodes involved, you need a six-month regimen. Whether it's KPOX or FULFOX, you got to go with six months for the high-risk patients. Grade 3 neurotoxicity were lower in those who received the three months, so less oxaliplatin, less toxicity versus those with six months. So can you summarize the overall recommendations for adjuvant treatment in localized colon cancer based on all these trials? Definitely. So with the resection of colon cancer, if a patient is stage two, you need to check the mismatch repair status. If they're deficient, they are low risk and you start surveillance. If they are not mismatch repair deficient, you look at their risks. Are they a high risk stage two? If the answer is no, generally we go to surveillance, but you technically can consider capecitabine or 5-FU. If they're a high risk patient, you can consider observation, 5-FU, capecitabine for about three months. In the, the stage three group, so this is T4 and or N2, if they're intermediate risk, you can utilize three months of KPOX 
or six months of full fox. If they're high risk, you need six months of chemo, whether that's full fox or KPOX. And again, circulating tumor DNA is up and coming. So I expect to hear more about this in the future. We have two ongoing trials. The first is the COBA trial. And so the COBA trial is looking at circulating tumor DNA in stage 2A. And then there's also the Circulate US trial looking at circulating tumor DNA to guide adjuvant treatment in stage three, as well as high risk stage twos. And then how do we survey patients after surgery and adjuvant chemotherapy if indicated? So stage one, you get a colonoscopy one year after surgery. And then based on what the colonoscopy shows, the GI doctors will give them one year. They'll give them three years, five years for their next colonoscopy. For stage two to three, you get a colonoscopy again one year after surgery. And then we follow them with history and physicals every three to six months for two years. And then every six months to year five, you can get tumor markers every three to six months for the first two years. And then every six months to year five, and you can get scan CT abdomen pelvis every six to 12 months to year five. That was such a great overview, Sam. Thank you for redoing this episode. And what are our key takeaways for localized colon cancer? So our key takeaways, first and foremost, colorectal cancer screening now starts at the age of 45, and every single patient with colorectal cancer should be tested for Lynch syndrome, or HNPCC. For stage one, the treatment is surgery alone, then surveillance. For stage two colon cancer, surgery followed by surveillance if low risk or MSI high. If high risk and MSI low, you can consider single agent 5-FU cape-cytobine-based chemotherapies, as well as consideration for circulating tumor DNA as part of a clinical trial. For stage three colon cancer, you do surgery followed by 5-FU cape-cytobine-based chemo. If they're low risk, so that T1 through 3 and 1, you can use KPOX for three months. If it's a high risk stage three, so that's T4, N1, N2, or any N2s, you need to use six months of chemo, KPOX, or Fulfox. Again, there's only two chemotherapy drugs we talk about in the adjuvant setting. That's 5-FU cape-cytobine or oxaliplatin, and you can omit the oxaliplatin in stage two and and the elderly, so greater than 70 years old. That was such a great overview again. And as always, thank you for listening. Good luck with studying. Please feel free to reach out to us with corrections or comments on our Instagram or Twitter to OncDocs. And we will see you next week for metastatic colon cancer.